Welcome to episode 145 of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name's Trent. This here's Jason. What's up, Jason? Not much. Sorry, Trent. that was that was a weird. What? what, what? <laughs> always, always here to make it weird. Yeah, that's okay though. That's what we do. We're like the Austin of podcasts, keeping this shit weird. Right? I, you know, I hope so, because that's a good thing. Yeah, outside of the college that's there, everything yeah. else is great. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But this week we have Brandon Kellum from American Standards. Yes. Very cool band. We get into a chat here with him in a bit. It's a pretty fun chat about all different kinds of stuff. We even talk about handsome. I mean, how can you not have fun? Is that a first? I'm sure you've probably mentioned him on here before. Yeah, I'm sure something has come along in the in the 145 episodes, or the 144 episodes previous. I mean, right. it's Tulsa. You can't get away from it. And I actually have no problems with Hanson at all. Oh, yeah. You know. This time around, it's a great song. I, well, see, now I know we've talked about him because I know... We've said that Somewhere exact thing we've before. said that fucking exact same thing. <laughs> you know, because, hey, you know, guilty pleasures, there's none of them. If you like it, you like it. And that's a good song. But they're they're good for the city, all that kind of stuff. We Whatever. But it, it, at the same time... You can't help but get a chuckle out of these Hanson stories. Right. Well, getting back to the heavier side of music. Yes. American Standards. Well, let's not get into that yet, obviously. We're going to talk about that here in a bit. This is our first time sitting down here in like three weeks. We had the the driver episode was last week, but we recorded that a little early because I was gone. Well, you you needed some time for your operation. Yeah. Yeah. I had my and that, operation and that's understandable. Took away. You didn't want to do one of these on your own, so I can't do are. it without you, man. Oh man, that's nice. You know, you, you know, I, I'm I'm Al Barr. You're Ken Casey. <laughs> wow. You know? Well, thanks. You know that that's you know. Uh, and what I love about that is you don't even have to say anything else because <laughs> eighty eighty five percent of the people listening aren't even going to get that reference. No, but you do. So that's but the fifteen percent that do. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> You know, well, yeah, I'm, and like I'm, I said, we. I'm Brad Whitford. You're Joe Perry. Nice. Okay. <laughs> well, what if it was Slash and Izzy? It's like Slash is the more known guy, but Izzy was as important, if not more important. Uh, see, I'm not as important, if not more important at all. You know, I'm more like I'm Jeff Labar. You're Tom Kiefer. <laughs> okay. You know. Right. Okay. I think people get it. Yeah. Well, I was on a a trip, so I didn't really see a lot of music or hear any mm-hmm. music while I was gone. I mean, actually, while I was gone, we were supposed to go to Houston Open Air the second yeah. day of it, and that ended up getting canceled. Yes, I was going to see Gojira and Power Trip and Mastodon and who else was on that day? Uh, Zach, Zach Sabbath. Sabbath. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> But yeah, that was going to be great. But anyway, speaking of concerts, they things are starting to get announced. And speaking of Zach, Black Lives Society, oh man, Corrosion and Conformity, and I Hate God coming to Diamond Ballroom in Oklahoma City. Yeah, that's a tour lineup that you like to say is a ball squasher. Oh, it's a total ball squasher. I mean, th- there's 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 no there's no getting there late. There's no just you know rifling in later on when Zach's on. You need to get there 
for all three bands. This is just one of those more bang for your buck kind of deals. Right. Uh, this is this is a show not to be missed. This is effing metal royalty. Not yeah. just everybody knows Zach is, but I guess it's like my world. Peter, Peter. Yep. Yeah, sorry. Pepper what? Keenan is God, oh, okay? Jesus Christ. I almost yeah. said Peter still, you know. It's like he's always in my head. Hey, give me Diamond Head <laughs> until I'm dead. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, you got Pepper Keenan, and then you got Jimmy fucking Bauer. I'm telling you. I mean, how can you go wrong with this triple bill? You can't. I mean, you can't. It has to be seen. All of it. Yeah. So that's going to be good. That thing's trekking <clears throat> across America in January, so check that thing out. We'll be there. And then, of course, just announced the other day, Judas oh, Priest... Is going on tour. And this is another triple bill of badassery. Saxon and Black Star Riders. I mean, can, I, okay, let me tell you something. I saw the poster first, and I just, you know, Saxon and Black Star Riders were way down there in small print. So, and it had the date. So I just immediately went to the dates. Right. And it said Tulsa, and I was like, holy shit. And then I saw Saxon. And I got fucking goosebumps. <laughs> I wanted to like yell out in my fucking town. Yeah. Holy crap. I, I mean. For those that I, don't know, Saxon is like, um, fuck. I don't know what to compare it to. The you, way. You know how, you know how like, um, Eddie Trunk loves old Kiss? That's how I love Saxon. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe Ready that's, Trunk loves UFO. Yes, yes, there you go. I mean, that that's... And for them to... I mean, I just... Her I, mama Cass love food? Uh, oh, fuck. It's the same way. Jesus this guy Christ. loves Saxon. Yes, that's right. Even more than I love food, and we know I love food. <laughs> See, I'm trying to take it off of Mama Cass, you asshole. Well, we're still pissed that Jake Thompson never brought Saxon to the downtown lounge. Uh, well... <laughs> God. Could you imagine? <laughs> I could. It would be amazing. But hell, we saw Saxon as a tiny place before anyways. Well, yeah, the chameleon room, I mean, it wasn't tiny, but it's not big by any means. No, minutes. yeah, no. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it's such a strong bill. You know, it, it's... Uh, well, let's throw this in here real quick if you're not in the know on what Black Star Riders is. That's oh, yeah, basically, yeah. We need to get to that. That's basically Thin Lizzy. They changed their name here. You should know this by now, but I'm sure some people don't because they're not mainstream, really. Mm-hmm. They've, they've, what, three albums now? Yes, three uh, albums. Three albums of original material. You know, Thin Lizzy never put out new material um, after and, Phil died. And they so, did, they, they thought they, they wanted they didn't they want finally, to tarnish his name. So yeah. they did what most fucking bands in this position should do, by the way. But no one ever does. Yeah. They changed the name and basically started putting out new music and... It's good stuff, and of course, when you see them live, they still play Thin Lizzy. Yeah. So basically, and, you're getting Thin Lizzy, Saxon, and Priest in one night. That's pretty unbelievable. And I mean, and the thing is, Black Star Riders is they're much bigger over in Europe. Yeah. You know, so you know they're going to be, but you know, the the opening slot here, and they have one of the all time oh, most man. underrated musicians in the D world, Damon Fucking Johnson. Right, is in this band. Yeah, that's, that's right. I so mean, yeah. We're gushing over this bill. We haven't even got the fucking priest yet. Oh, yeah. Judas Priest is on the bill, too. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad you reminded me. Well, yeah, this thing's playing all across America. And, like, Tulsa, from what I looked at, there might be one or two other ones, but it's really the only arena date, mm -hmm. which I don't know if it's just because of 
booking and what was available at the time. Yeah. But they're playing the arena here that holds like 20,000 people, but they're, yeah, the, they're curtaining off the top part. But most of the other places they're playing are like big theaters or big open spaces like the Bomb Factory in Dallas. Yeah. You know, yeah. we've seen a show there and it's a, it's a pretty big place, holds a lot of people, but it's a GA type place. Yeah. Really nice venue. Yeah. So I wish this was in something like that, but still, I'm work. not going to complain. Yeah. And you know, uh, you know, like you said, that they curtained off the upper bowl and, um, it even looks like they brought the stage in a little bit. Oh, really? From the seating chart. I don't know if you saw it or not. I did, but I didn't really pay attention but, that close to it. I don't know. May, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seemed like it. But how, how do you think it'll do to be okay with, with, with that kind of thing going on? I think they'll, I mean, they'll probably get most of those seats filled. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many seats that is. Yeah. If that's if it's half of that, if it's ten thousand, then they're not going to fill it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't know how. Like you said, if they pulled it up a little bit, they might be knocking off a couple sections. Yeah. And you know, I think it'll do good just for the fact that I don't remember them ever coming to Tulsa in my lifetime. I know they did before we started going to shows. Yeah, yeah. In the late eighties. Well, I know that. Well, remember that it was like ninety one or ninety two. It had to be maybe ninety ninety one. It was like Judas Priest, Megadeth, and Testament. Because oh, our wow. buddy Eric went to it. Oh, okay. At the pavilion. So that might have been right before yeah. we started going to Yeah, shows. I think it was because he's a couple years older than us. And I really, I mean, and that's when we really started going hardcore. So we would have we would have known and would have went if Judas Priest had come. And so then, I think that's the last time they've been here. They were in Oklahoma City at the Zoo Amp like 10 years ago. They were? It was like 2008 or nine. For some reason, we didn't go. It was another bill. It was like where? Testament was with them there. Where the fuck have I been? No, you Jesus. knew about it. I can't remember why we didn't go. But anyway, when's huh. we saw him in, was that St. Louis or Kansas City? Kansas City Ozfest 2004. Okay. That was the that was an insane bill. You had Sabbath, Priest, Slayer, uh, Demu Borger, Super Joint Ritual. Yeah. Um, fuck, I mean. The side stage had Lamb of God, yeah. Slipknot, uh, Devil Driver, and hate breed, I think. God like, forbid. Yeah, God I was like, an, he's been on this podcast. An insane lineup on that side stage of several bands that went on to be headliners. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. But regardless, it's that, great that to was, finally be able yeah. to see Priest again because it's been quite a while. Yeah, it's it's gonna be great, man. I can't I can't fucking wait. I have I got my ticket already. Same here. Hell yes. Well, we got anything else to talk about? We. uh Oh, there's, I wanted to mention there's this thing going on, the We Are Tulsa Music Awards thing. Yes. And there's still, this month is the, not, well, there was already nomination process, and now this month, all month long on their website, they're having, where you go and vote on the nominees, and it dwindles it down to the finals, Mm -hmm. finalists in each category. And I believe that by the time this goes up, a category that we were nominated in shall be up. I think it starts tomorrow. Oh, Okay. Cool. You know, so by the time you're hearing this, it should be available. So if you go on wearetulsamusic.com, we're nominated for, I should have had the thing in front of me. It's like best source for local music. Okay. I know we're. Give us a vote. Yeah. Porch Talk with Chris and Laura's on there as well. Or vote for them. That's fine too. Yeah. The Tulsa Voice is nominated. Don't vote for them. Vote for Chris (laughs) and Laura or us. Yes. Grassroots people. Yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah, so just get us into the finals and we'll be we'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah, we don't mind being Susan Lucci. Yeah, that's true. It was an honor just to be nominated. 
We're almost as hot as Susan Lucci. <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. She's getting up there, though. That's true. Still, you right. wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating crackers? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't kick Ernest Borgnine out of bed for eating crackers at this stage. I'm going nuts. But right. that's a whole other podcast. Right. Let's just keep moving on. <laughs> i got to backtrack a minute. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was going to mention this, but I completely forgot. When I was on my trip, I went to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And that's right. John and Jess from Sons of Texas, I reached out to both of them and said, hey, what's some good places to eat in San Antonio? And they both told me two or three places, but there was one place called Tommy's Restaurant that both of them mentioned. So I said, well, I'm going to do that then. And we went there and it was, you know, like Mexican breakfast. It's like a, it was like a diner hours, like, you know, seven to three or something every okay, day. Yeah. But, you know, it was all, of course, all Mexican stuff, and it was unbelievable. So, shout out to the guys from Sons of Texas for the great recommendation. And their records kick ass. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, if if you listen to this podcast, like, what was it, two episodes ago, yeah. you would have heard us, like, almost have a freaking head, you know, head explosion yeah. for how much we love that new album. But I'm sure you'll be hearing more about that in the best of 2017. I know, I know you will. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of them, just about a month and a half, they're going to be coming our way. They're on tour with Alter Bridge and All That Remains. And I know they're doing some side dates as well with just All That Remains. They're playing Fayetteville, I'm sure some other towns. So check that out. That's a, a great bill of some good hard rock right there for damn sure. Yeah, that'll be another great night. Well, let's get into this talk with American Standards. We're okay. going to play this track first before we do this. We're going to play Cancer Eater from their new album, Anti-Melody. Help 
Cancer Eater from Anti-Melody from American Standards. And it's, this band is just like, what's a good word, intensity? Yeah, um, definitely. This whole album is badass. It's eight, eight songs, like 30 minutes, 28 minutes, something like that. I mean, it's like, I don't even... It's just another one of those bands. It's like if someone said, "Hey, what do these guys sound like?" It's like you you stumble over your words trying to describe it to someone, which is a good thing. Yeah, it's like if he is legend, you know, had an orgy with every time I die. I don't know. Oh man. No, but what did you say? You said something to me before we or right after we talked to him. I think the other day. Oh God. I... Oh, you're going to make me fucking say Just this, say aren't it, you? yeah. It's not a bad thing. No, don't think it's It's cool like if, if, okay, if fucking, if Sam Kennison had a fucking band, this would be it. Because that's how intense the screams and the vocals are. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It just... No, we see, love Sam Kennison. The, and we love Brandon Kelly. I, we do. And there's no... and. It, it sounds like I'm, it, 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 I can't say it in a way where it doesn't sound like a dig and you fucking put me on the spot. I should never have said it. Well, I don't take it, it as a dig. It, I mean, okay. that's why well, I, see, I just didn't want it, you know, because some people I figure might, but it's not. I mean, you know, I, I just, it, it, it's like, okay, sure, you know, it was comedy and it was funny and stuff, but you know, when he was talking about getting fucked over by his woman or all the shit that pisses him off, you know, it was, I don't think the screaming was a gimmick. I mean, it kind of was, but you could really feel the fucking intensity and the passion right. and the, the, the earnest in his voice. And, you know, I, I just, I, I like hearing music like that. I like hearing that just abrasive. I mean, everything about this record just strips the paint off the walls and, you know, grabs you by the collar and fucking makes you listen. Um, I, I think that there's some, you know, some cool subject matter. I think there's some, there's some shit on this record that really hits home for me. Um, I just think that, um, you know, this is a, a good cathartic album, uh, you know, to just get it all out on. Yeah. So check out Anti Melody. And another thing I wanted to point out is that you'll hear about this shortly when we get into this interview, but we talk about the Flaming Mo. Yes. From we the do. Simpsons. Okay. And he mentioned that he thought cough syrup was in it. And I said, hold on. And I had that cup that has the recipe on it. And after we did that interview, the more I was thinking about it later, I was like, you know what? That sounds right. It's been years since I've seen that episode. That was like from the third or fourth season. Yeah. You know, and so I just Googled it and he's right. Everything you find on Google says cough syrup. As well as all the stuff I said. We got to make this drink. Yeah, it was everything else that I said plus cough syrup. And I think instead of tequila, but I wonder if I started thinking maybe on that glass since it, 20, 20th Century Fox didn't want to put, yeah. hey, add cough syrup to your liquor. They'd have all kinds of lawsuits yeah. on their ass. So they probably just yeah. replaced that with tequila. Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. That's my, if this was the Josh's show, it'd be, sorry, I fucked up on the show. Or whatever <laughs> that theme song was he played, you know. There we go. We need our own. We do we retraction do. thing. You can, and you can you can see you can use that soundbite. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if this is your first time listening, check us out online at facebook.com/thunder-underground or no, sorry, the Thunder Underground. Soundcloud.com/thunder-underground has all our previous episodes on there, and you can also listen to us every Monday night, 1027wsnr.com. All right, let's get into this interview 
Brandon Kellum from American Standards. So how was uh, Knott's Berry Farm? Uh, it was cool. It was a, it was the first time I had been there. We actually uh, so we went up through California, did uh, Universal Studios and Knott's Berry Farm. Why and both the first time for me. I'm not a like actually I, I do like rides, but I'm not a huge fan of standing in lines. So like right. my hatred for standing in lines supersedes my uh, my enjoyment that I get from the ride. Right. Um, so Knott's Berry Farm was cool. Actually, the the lines were really. Uh, really small i think just because it was a, a weekday we went during the pretty early in the morning right when it opened um and, th- and then universal studios was cool too we actually went during the the nighttime when they do the uh like the halloween theme stuff which was cool we got to go have a couple 12 dollar beers at uh Mo's tavern <laughs> which uh i'm pretty sure homer would never pay 12 dollars for a beer nor do i think homer would have a, a two beer uh maximum at Mo's tavern they stamp your hands with these like uh phosphorescent little stamps so you can't get any more than two beers um wow yeah yeah it's actually it's kind of funny because as, as they have other little booths set up where you can get beers and they'll they'll check your hands you know they'll put the black side over your hand and uh they i'd already had my my two 12 dollar beers so 24 dollars deep plus tip already they checked my hand and i had rode like one of the the water rides so i i guess it smudged a little bit and they're like is that one stamp or two stamp pretty sure it's one stamp all right get another beer <laughs> for 12 so by bucks. this point i yeah, yeah, now I'm 36 bucks deep plus tip. For that much, you, you should be able to get a flaming mow. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, actually, apparently they do sell flaming mows uh, at, at the uh, Moe's Tavern there, but they, they don't have them at nighttime because I guess they don't want people to get too trashed and, like, punch one of the, uh, the high school kids in a costume, you know? <laughs> yeah, I went to Universal in Orlando a couple years ago and had a flaming mow at the Moe's Tavern. So- if I, I mean, I, I'm a huge like old school Simpsons fan, but I was trying to remember what was actually in a flaming mo, and I feel like wasn't the secret ingredient like cough syrup or something. I can't hold on a second. <laughs> we'll have to get to the the Google machine where it makes you sound like you know he, everything, right? He has like a ton of Simpson glasses, and one has the recipe. I'm not shooting you. That's awesome. Very cool. <laughs> I, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like there's cough syrup as a secret recipe. Now it says tequila, peppermint schnapps, cream de menthe, and grape cola. Ah, interesting. Like, tequila would throw me off. Like, I, w- I wouldn't expect that to be a Simpsons uh, a liquor, you know? I right. thought it would just be, like, standard whiskey or something. <laughs> well, we're making them tonight. That's it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Right. So you guys are from uh, Tulsa, right? Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. We actually, we were out there just a... Uh, well, I guess it's been probably about four months now, oh, but we man. played out there at the uh, the Vanguard. Oh wow! Oh, wow, who were you with? Yeah. Uh, this was actually just a solo tour. So we uh, oh. we did a headliner tour, and we just had I think it was three or four locals. But the best part about this, so Tulsa actually is just kind of jogging my memory now. It was a very unique date on the tour because we had we had this tour booked two or three months in advance, maybe even a little bit longer. And before the before we hit the road. The Tulsa day actually fell through because the venue got closed down, and I'm trying to remember what the initial venue was, but downtown lounge here, probably. What was it called? Downtown lounge probably. Sounds sounds very familiar. So yeah. it got closed down right when we were like right when we were on the road. So the the promoter 
he hits us up and I guess he promotes a lot of stuff down there on Main Street downtown. And he says, you know, this is going to sound way from left field, but do you guys want to play at the Hanson Festival? <laughs> wow. So, of course, we said yes. And we had no clue that Hanson was from the area or that they do an annual festival. Right. And they closed down that entire main street for it. And all the music venues have like different bands and they have bands going on outstage, including Hanson. Uh, so we, we technically played at the Hanson Festival. Um, and I think actually we were playing during Hanson, which was a big bummer because I, I actually remember the guys were sound checking and I was out there watching it because I'm like, what the hell? How's Hanson have more songs than Mbop? Um, and surprisingly, they kind of shred. I was surprised that they were actually decent musicians, um, but they didn't play Mbop by the time we played. And then they text me and I had to run back and we had to, you know, play our stupid show before I can see uh, <laughs> them play their single. Right. Oh, man. But uh, it was cool. The Vanguard's awesome, man. And that bar right behind the Vanguard, like in the alleyway, the, it's like right behind the alleyway of the Vanguard. That bar was a really cool place, too. It had a big old outdoor patio that was packed. And yeah, yeah, the Hunt Club. Yeah. The Hunt Club, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how we missed that, man. Sorry. We're slipping in oh, our no, old age. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because it was coupled it is, in with that festival. It's like I usually look at the lineup, and there's like one band on the lineup I care about, so I don't yeah. But they've got not good surprised. beer. So. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, not the, surprised. That's their I, thing I think now. the beers there were probably 12 bucks too, so it's okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's their thing now. They have their own brewery, so they do a beer festival every year. That's probably what it was. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, and it's, in case you didn't know, it's called Mmm Hops. <laughs> really, that's and that's literally, that's, funny. that's the truth, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. No, we, we were like, like I said, we were running around and, uh, you know, getting, we, I, I don't know how we missed the fact that it was a, a festival. I think it's just because they were giving us free beers in the venue, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, the, the venue was really cool. They took care of us. Um, we walked around there. We were actually, uh, we had our big old merch tub because we had, a, they had all the streets blocked off. So we, we were literally carrying our gear, maybe. A good like quarter to a half a mile, and um, and and I uh, I'm not the buffest guy out there by any means. So I take a few breaks, and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna try to push some t-shirts while I'm at this Hanson Festival. I don't know if it's our our target our market here, but I'm sitting there just holding up t-shirts out of a tote bin, saying Hanson t-shirts, get your Hanson t-shirts here. Um, and then people, you know, they they see the Plague Doctor on it, and they see the vultures on it, and they're like, wow, Hanson really went dark with that last album. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, you've been, Anti-Melody came out what, roughly six months ago. How's the response been from the crowd since you guys have been playing the new music? It's been good, man. It's been good. It's, uh, we took a big break from this and our, our last uh, release prior to that when we put out uh, Hungry Hands. And uh, we, I don't know, I think this, with this one we went much different. So we went a lot more personal on this album. We had kind of a lot of stuff that happened during the recording process. Our, uh, our founding guitar uh, guitarist had... Uh, committed suicide um unfortunately during the recording process and uh then just like a couple months after that my father uh, was diagnosed with cancer and it took him really really quick um and, and you know i i almost say thankfully it took him really quick because he was such a tough and strong man that he would have hated to go out any other way um so it took him within a few weeks of him being diagnosed um so we kind of we scrapped all these songs and all these lyrics that we wrote for the album and um and then rewrote a lot of in a much more personal way. So, you know, being a band for almost six years, I'd almost always written music where I'm looking outward at the world and kind of commenting on it. With this, it was a lot more looking inward. So it's the response has been much different. You know, a lot of people that have um, either been uh, 
been a victim of depression or anxiety, um, people that have been touched by suicide and their family and their friends um, and cancer, those, those types of things, those people are coming to us at the shows and kind of talking to us about it. So it's it's much different and much different connection than we've made in the past. But uh, it's been really, it's been really um, humbling, I guess, to say the least. I mean, I think the first show that we played after the release, we actually had a, a kid um, come to us and uh, he, he talked to us before the show and said he had walked like three or four miles to get to the show because he had no other way to get there. And he said, you know, he'd been struggling with depression and um, he had actually thought of suicide in the past. And we kind of talked to him for a few hours. We, uh, we actually drove him home that night. And, uh, and since then, you know, we've, we've talked to him on the phone multiple times. He lives um, maybe 40 minutes out for, from us. So we've kind of taken him out before to different shows and try to hang out with him, keep in top contact with him. And that's a connection I don't think we, uh, we would have made otherwise um, if it wasn't for how personal we made this album. That's great. Well, the, well you talk about that with the, the writing, you know, from your experience with your father and the, your guitarist and everything. Even though that's obviously hard to go through, did it make the process easier since you're dealing with music and pouring out your emotion that way? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's all relative. You know, I, I think um, I, for me, it was harder to write. I think I was more critical on what I was writing um, because I normally write a little more tongue in cheek. You know, I'm a pretty, pretty upbeat guy, pretty optimistic guy. So uh, I, I comment on a lot of stuff. And the music sounds, you know, very aggressive and, you know, maybe angry, but uh Normally, it's the lyrics themselves are a little more tongue-in-cheek. It's more social commentary. It's more um, kind of satirical, you know, um, kind of laughing at how horrible some stuff is. Um, but that's ne not necessarily the spin you want to put on it when you're uh, talking about the more personal stuff. So lyrically, it's a lot harder to write. Um, for the guys, I think they just had more time. You know, we, ha we haven't had this much time to write songs. Um, it was uh, two and a half, three years to write songs. Um since we started when we put our first album and at that point we kind of had our whole life story at that first album still at uh everything else after that it was like on a one-year cycle so this one we had this three-year break where we got to write way more material than we put out and then kind of whittled it down to what we really liked so that that was one thing i mean the the hardest part i think um outside of writing the lyrics to it were was really we decided to record out of town so we recorded in los angeles and um and that, that became a challenge because we're just traveling back and forth, uh, which gets really expensive. Um, it gets really uh, difficult when you like when you hear a minor change you want to make, but now you have to go like you know six uh, six or seven hour drive just to make that minor change <laughs> if I wanted to retrack a little piece or anything. Um, so that was one thing. And then when when everything started happening with Cody, our guitarist, and my father, we actually decided to take all those songs that we recorded in this nice studio. We recorded at uh, Kingside Sound Labs, which was a beautiful studio. Bands like Mars Volta and Let Live and Bad Religion, um, Andrew WK, surprisingly, a bunch of other bands <laughs> were recorded there, um, and they did a great job engineering it. Um, but we had spent so much money, so much time, um, and, and we really had to get back to, to our hometown. So we came back home and we actually decided to self-mix the album, um, which is the first time we've ever done that. Uh, so Mitch, our drummer, he has some experience. He actually worked in Nashville for a while at a studio, and he self-mixed it. And I think the result of it is a a lot more raw. It's not as polished and produced as uh, other albums that we put out or definitely other bands in our genre. But to me, it sounds like a little more honest because it doesn't sound like it has all the uh, the glitz and glam of, you know, this uh, couple thousand dollars worth of production or, or, you know, a lot of bands spend a lot more than thousands of dollars. But uh, for us, a DIY band, you know, normally would have pumped even more money into the production, but we decided to do it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
I, I really enjoy the uh, like the short, concise, just get straight to the point type kind of songs, and there's a lot of that on here. Um, talk talk about you know is that just part of your style or how did that come about? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm all about get in there and get out, give them what, give them the best parts, and don't put any fluff in there. So yes, exactly. uh, even with our sets, you know, we're playing a we're playing tonight with um, Stick to Your Guns and Eighteen Visions and a few other bands that we always you know used to look up to when we were a little bit younger and um and, and we're gonna go up there we're gonna i think you know we've got a 45 minute set we're gonna go up there and probably play twice the number of songs of any other band because our songs are about half as long as any other band <laughs> i love that um, that's awesome <laughs> yeah we're not we're not playing any uh, power ballads we're not uh extending the solos or you know taking some time to announce who's in the band or anything we just get in there and uh kind of give them 45 minutes of just unrelenting energy um, until, you know, one, like you guys said, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older than I was when I started. I'm about double the age of when I actually first started playing live shows. <laughs> so uh, after about 45 minutes, I think I'm completely spent for, for that entire night anyways. Well, talk about the songs as far as on Anti-Melody. You've got eight tracks and they're all, they all kind of stand apart from each other in a little bit different styles. Like, was that intentional or is that just the way that comes out of you guys? Yeah, I think uh, part of it was intentional. I think part of it's a result of the the time we spent on it. You know, the, the over the course of a couple of years, I think uh, we we just gained all these different things that we said. All right, we want to do this more sludgy, more uh, kind of heavy sludgy song, and and we want to put that in there. And then we said we want to do something that's just a fast like ripper. You know, like Danger Music Number Nine is a a good example of let's just go balls to the wall for two minutes. You know. And uh, I think we, we really, we all listen to so many different things. Um, and there's very few bands that we all agree on. So I, I think uh, this is a result of everybody just putting everything in there. Um, when we had wrote, written music in the past, I think we had a lot of, um, one guy would come to the table with like 75% of the song written, and then the rest of the guys would add their touch. These songs were really just us getting in a room and everybody putting everything into one song instead of everybody having their own song. Um, which part of that is a choice and part of that is just because we're dumb when it comes to technology i feel like every band is smarter than us now where they're you know one guy could be in california one guy could be in florida sending tracks back and forth and adding their stuff we are we are very low tech we we're always in a room and we're always writing the song as we go well when you're putting your your vocals down how do you decide what should be a screaming part what should be a spoken part what should be a singing part yeah, yeah, good question, man. Um, I think uh, for me, it kind of a lot of it comes natural. I think, um, but what I especially because we're working on new stuff already. One thing I want to get out of is with with anti melody and even stuff before that. It just it just kind of I go in there and I I think I try as many things as I can think of, and I'm probably my like worst critic because I'm in there saying, "Let me try that again. Let me try that a different way." Until you know the engineer's like, "No, we're we're stopping here. You have five good tracks. Pick one of these tracks." Um, on the on the next album, I think I want to start thinking about what doesn't come naturally and like force myself to do something that I haven't done before. Um, because I mean, right now I've been touring in bands for about fifteen years. A lot of it is like, all right, like this this feels the music to me feels like, or the lyrics to me set the mood of it being this type of thing, um, which works a lot. I think it resonates with people more quickly that way. Um, but I want to start making uh, making it less comfortable. And uh, making it sound like, all right, I didn't expect this piece at all. Well, you mentioned the band, you know, 
writing more together this time? Is that like actually something where you guys get in a room and write together or is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we haven't practiced space, um, which sometimes becomes a very expensive storage shed, uh, especially when we're out playing a lot more shows. Um, because, you know, we're paying, say, six, seven hundred bucks a month for this practice space that we go into maybe a couple times a month. Uh, so a lot of the times we're just coming there to pick up our gear and store our merch and everything. But, yeah, we do any time that we uh, we come together. Yeah, we just get back in the room and then just do it, you know, old school. You know, like any any other punk rock band did back in the days, you get in there and you just play through stuff uh, and riff off each other. One guy has an idea and everybody else builds off of it. Um, we're actually right after this, uh, uh, after this call, I'm going to, jump on the freeway here and go down to the uh, practice space and we're going to jam the set tonight and we've got a couple of new things that we want to work on for uh, what we're recording next. So what's the, are you guys, you guys already planning to record something soon? Yeah, yeah, we're planning on doing um, most likely an EP, if not maybe a split with uh, another band that we know here in California, um, Stay Wild, we've toured with them a couple times. Um, but yeah, the plan is to put out probably maybe another three or four songs um, we don't want to commit to a whole another full length um, before we do this, because really with this, what we want to do is we think, um, like I said, on Anti Melody, it was different for us because we took it in house and we did the production and the uh, the mixing. But I think uh, a lot of people will, will love it for that, for how raw it is and for how it does sound uh, sonically different than other bands in our genre. But I also think a lot of people dig the polish and the production and the uh, you know some of those other sounds, and we want to find a way that we can meld the two. How can we still sound raw, still sound like we're a band playing in a room and not a computer, uh, you know, cleaning up all the tracks, um, but at the same time get some more value from it. So I think the next thing we're going to do is probably put out a few songs where um, we can get into another really nice studio like King Size and maybe follow through with that plan that we had to, uh, to take it from the very beginning, writing in the studio to the very end where they're doing the, the uh, mixing and mastering on it. Uh switching gears a bit talk talk about uh your experience uh being signed to victory and how that how that went yeah yeah so we were actually uh we're on an imprint of victory so they have a bunch of sub labels so we we're on an imprint called we are triumphant which um they all their distribution was through victory's distribution which is sony and red and i think uh at the time we were really excited about it because you know victory had some really awesome bands in the in the 90s and early 2000s that i always looked up to bands like or fused and Snapcase, and then as post hardcore and metalcore and all those bands, all those genres started to get big. They they took on a lot of those bands. Um, so when we got the deal, we had received a couple other record deals at the time or offers, and uh, and we really thought this victory one was way too good to be true. Um, so we we luckily had a guy in the band at the time who uh, had a family member that was a lawyer. They looked over the contract a few times and sent it back and forth. I think if it wasn't for that, that was really our saving grace. If it wasn't for that, we would have been locked into something that um, we probably would still be in today and we'd be absolutely hating it. Um, so uh, so that said, we at the very beginning, we were still paying for our own recording. We were still you know, paying for our own uh, merch. Uh, we were booking our own tours. We weren't getting any tour support. The one thing we needed as a band, because we've always been a band that works really hard and kind of any success that we have is a result of the work that we're putting into the band. Um, but the one thing that we needed was we needed to figure out how to get to that next step, um, something that we just didn't have the network or know the people to get to at the time. So we needed that artist development. And I think by that time, um, the imprint that we were assigned to, they were at a point where they knew that albums, you know, CDs weren't selling anymore, physical product wasn't selling. They were really starting to deal more in uh, quantity instead of quality of bands. 
So they started signing these bands, you know, every two weeks. And I think we were just another one of those bands that they signed where they're thinking, well, if I can't get one or two huge bands that are selling a ton of product, maybe I can get 50 bands that will sell a little bit of product. (laughs) Um, So we didn't get a whole lot of artist development that we needed. Um, And then the unfortunate part is, I don't know how much you guys know about Victory, but um, it definitely had a, a tarnished reputation over the last, say, 10 years or so. Oh, yeah. Um, and it only got worse um, in the last five years. Um, so because of that, whereas sometimes, um, although Victory wasn't doing anything directly for us, people would say, hey, I want to work with this band because I've heard of this label. There's that name association. Um, as their reputation got worse, sometimes it became, I don't want to work with this band because they're tied to this label. Yeah. So uh so although touring was a little bit easier at the beginning, it became a little bit harder. And a lot of people started saying the success that we got was because we were signed to this label that a lot of people didn't like at the time. Um, so we said, well, that kind of sucks that we're putting all the work in. Um, they're getting any credit that they do. And then sometimes we're getting painted out of the picture because of it. So uh, we just decided, hey, luckily we, we positioned this contract the way that, um, the way that we did. Uh, we can do a re-release of our album. And then we can just call it quits from there. So before anything uh, directly bad happened to us, uh, we got out. And I mean, a lot of bands before us and a lot of bands after us have kind of got into lawsuits and things like that with um, not only their label, um, the label that we were directly signed to, but also Victory, obviously, as well. Um, so, so I mean, I, I think uh, I, I can't say that I have a lot of bad things to say about them because they didn't do anything directly to us. But I also think that we were smart about it, you know? Yeah, I... I remember this quite a while back. I read an article. I don't. I can't remember if it was on Metal Sucks or Buddy Head or something. But there's a big thing about how Victory was just dicking everybody over. So I was. I was pretty curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we don't. We don't have the horror story. Um, but I also think that we were smart enough, and we were. We were small enough for them to not really care. You know, yeah. <laughs> if we were a bigger <laughs> band that was selling hundreds of thousands of albums maybe they would have pushed a little bit harder when we said that we were just going to re-release an old album. <laughs> but um, we weren't that bad. You know, we, we did we did well for what we uh, what we were at the time. And, um, and, and it's just, we did well by our own definition of what that is, you know? Well, having been a part of that and now being independent, what do you think the advantages are for the way you guys are doing it right now? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, timeline's a big one. We work on our own timeline, so no one's telling us you've got to get something out next month, um, you know, whether it be a, a music video or a song or an album or photos. It's all on our own timeline, so we don't have to sacrifice that. No one's uh, telling us we have to work with this uh, this producer or this studio or you have to go on band with these uh, or tour with these bands. Um, so, so all that's great. I mean, one thing that, like, helps and hurts us as a band is we're, we're very much the kind of band that we want to play with bands that we enjoy. And it doesn't matter if that's like a death metal band. Um, if it's a band like we play with bands like Winds of Plague and Rings of Saturn, completely different from us, still heavy, but different. Uh, we play with bands like Emery and Artreyu, um, or bands that are more like us, like Every Time We Die and Norma Jean. It's like we can really play with whatever band that we like. No one's telling us otherwise. Um, so that helps us because we get to these different audiences. But it also, sometimes people that are really only into one thing, they'll see it and they'll say, well, why are they playing with these other bands? I don't want to support a band that also likes punk rock bands or also likes death metal bands because they want to be really narrow-minded in their approach. Um, so like I said, sometimes it really helps because we get to people that never would have saw us before. Um, sometimes people get a little upset that we're kind of mixing the pot. 
Well, uh, what kind of advice would you give to other independent bands that are starting out? Google. Google everything. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, uh, right now we're in an age where you don't need a record label for the most part. As long as you're willing to put in the work and you can write a halfway decent email. Um, So whether you're trying to get distribution for your album to get on Spotify and iTunes um, or get in stores, if you're trying to get press release or even how I contacted you guys, you know, it's it's find people that are doing things that you like, doing things that you respect, that are working with other artists that you enjoy and try to see how you can become part of that. Because at the end of the day, even for this, it's like, I mean, I like I listen to some of you guys' podcasts. I like the the way you guys are more free form kind of conversation, um, and, and I enjoy that. And I support that, and I want to at the end of the day get other people to listen to this, and then hopefully people that are listening to you or listening to me right now will come say, "Well, he's not half bad. I'll, I'll take a look at his music, and maybe uh, maybe I'll like it. You know, maybe I won't like it, but maybe I'll respect him as a guy. You know, that's coming on here and saying what he has to say. Right. So definitely Google, man. Like go go online and find out where the bands that you like, the bands that your fans would like are at, and then figure out how you can be there. Cool. I was, I was looking back through your guys' you know, stuff a while back, and I saw the post from the Writer's Block Party video, and I yeah, noticed yeah. a ton of the comments were people saying, I never heard of this band, and you know they were from like all different parts of the world. Do you notice like videos like that helping expand your reach? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The... This, uh, this album cycle is unique for us because, man, I, I tell you what, my, my girlfriend probably hates me for this stuff, but uh, I'll, spend, I'll spend hours a day just reaching out to try to find out how we can get on new uh, websites and blogs and things like that. And with this one, we landed um, Lamb Goat, uh, which is yeah. a decently sized outlet. And then after that, Revolver uh, Magazine featured us and Alternative Press featured it. And it was like once one hit, then the next one hit, then the next one hit. And out of nowhere, we had all these people that never heard of us that are all coming to our page and talking to us. And I think um, a lot of times, I think when people uh, try to communicate with a band or uh, a company or a brand, they don't always expect like a personal response. But like, I guarantee if you go on our page, you're going to get something directly from me or one of the guys. And and I think that gets people excited and gets people to want to come back and tell their friends about it. So yeah, with the Writer's Block Party was a good example of uh, we did a video. We wanted to show, um, I guess, a little more of, uh, it, it's funny how real it is, but a little more of the, the funny side of playing playing heavy music. You know, sometimes we get asked to play. One time we did this tour, maybe in 2013, 2014, where we legitimately on the run. We had four different shows at taco shops, right? So we're playing at these punk rock taco shops across the United States. Um, where there's a mixture of like punk rock kids and hardcore kids coming out to watch it and they know what they're going to expect. And then there's also like some people are there just to have some tacos, right? <laughs> so, uh, so Writer's Block Party was pretty much to capture that kind of sense. Like, you know, it's the whole, you, you're going to a karaoke open mic and now a band like us decides to sign up and play and getting people's reactions. So we had a lot of our friends and stuff come and a lot of our fans come to be part of it. But then we also said, keep the doors open and if anybody walks in, we want to get their legitimate reaction to this. Um, so, so it's kind of a fun way to do it. And I think because of that, people don't always expect the heavy bands to, uh, to be as personal and also to be, uh, to not like keep that tough guy vibe. And I think that kind of is what exploded with it. And a lot of people liked it. Like you said, a lot of people are commenting on it and a lot of new people. Um, but it was equally as funny. We had a lot of people that I feel like before they even watched the video, they judged us for it. So like, I really want to do like, um, 
I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, uh, what is it, Mean Tweets? I think it's Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel or one of the <laughs> yeah. late night guys, where they just read all the horrible tweets. I would love to go back through some of the uh, the comments, not necessarily on our page, but on the pages of like Revolver and Lamb Goat and, and the YouTube <laughs> and stuff like that, and just read some of those blank to the guys, because like, the guys don't always go online and check them as much as I do. So uh, I would love to do that, because there are some really funny ones where, honestly, I was I was laughing my ass off at how clever people's insults were. <laughs> Would you guys make a T-shirt for the punk rock taco shop uh, tour? <laughs> no, but if you that, did at least four shows. Idea. I figured we, you could have pulled a T-shirt. That out we should have capitalized on that, man. Like uh, I know you guys had uh, Gene Simmons, the Gene Simmons thing recently here. Uh, if it was Gene Simmons, he would have had a T-shirt. He would have had a condom. He would have had a, <laughs> yep. you know everything else. Air, an actual taco. Air guitar. Yeah, an actual taco. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We're actually doing a, a Halloween run here at the end of the. The month where we're going up through uh, northern Arizona, we're playing in New Mexico and Texas, and we do uh, costume shows. And one of the ideas pitched for the the show, one of the shows, was dressing up as Kiss. So, we, you very well might see a picture of us floating online in a couple of weeks where we're all dressed up as Kiss. I, I hope so, man. I hope so. <laughs> well, kind of jumping back again, when you mentioned earlier that this newest album was more. Uh, kind of like you said personal and inward on your lyrics but in the past you know you've done more stuff outward like there's always been an ample amount of time you know topics when it comes to politics or you know whatever's going on socially do you, as the last few years made it real easy for whatever you're going to write on the next album you think <laughs> yeah you know and that's it's always hard man because i i never want to be the guy that's like screaming my beliefs on a soapbox or anything i think that's uh it can be really off-putting um, but I also don't want to be the guy that doesn't like speak my mind. So I think, um, the way I approach it is less of like, you need to believe what I believe, but it's like, it's more of the, like, like I said, we do a more of the satirical way. We kind of, we poke out things that don't make sense and hopefully make people think about things in ways they haven't before or question the way that they believe. Um, and I think that's maybe a, a more, uh, attractive, more or less off-putting way to do it. Um, I think of a lot of, I don't know if you guys watch, uh, for example, Black Mirror is this really great series that, uh, kind of like Twilight Zone, for example, but it's a series where they, they do a lot of social commentary, but they kind of wrap it up in a really entertaining, a little bit horror, a little bit uh, comedy. Um, so they, they put their thoughts out there, but in a really entertaining way. And at the end, you don't feel like that kind of icky feeling when someone's trying to push their belief on you. So um, that's kind of the way I try to approach it as a whole you know, there's things that I'm going to say on this album that you might not agree with, but I'm not saying you have to believe that, you know? Um, and I think that that comes to a lot of things in, in life, man. Like our, our guitarist, for example, Corey, he, uh, he went vegan um, two years ago. I'm, I'm not vegan at all in the in the least amount, but um, for anybody is, more power to him. That's awesome. But I love the fact that, like, people like like Corey and then, I mean, a lot of kids that are straight edge that just don't drink, that she's not to partake in any of that stuff. If you want to do that stuff, as long as what you're doing doesn't affect other people, that's cool with me. And that's both ways, you know? As long as I'm not pushing meat down his mouth and he's not telling me to be vegan, we're completely cool, you know? Right. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate your time. Yeah, man. I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, hopefully uh, Hanson invites us back for their next, next festival, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll be there. And uh, uh, thanks for the kind words. We, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, you guys are great, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. There you go, Brandon Kellum from American Standards. Very much appreciated to him for 
taking the time out of his day before, I think he said before he was going to rehearse, before they had their show that night. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. Very cool to talk to him. Talked about a lot of stuff. Seemed like a great guy and hope that I hope they make it back around this way sometime here in the future so we can catch them live. Oh, for sure. I'll be there. Yeah, because if you watch their live stuff, you know, it looks like that's a great fucking time. Well, like I mentioned earlier, thethunderunderground.com, facebook.com backslash thethunderunderground. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. Both of those are at thethunderunderground. And then you can find all our previous podcasts at soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground. <laughs> Thunder. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. I thought I messed up, but I didn't. I, I, I didn't hear okay. anything out of the ordinary. Anyway. Also, every Monday night, 7 p.m. Central, we stream on 1027WSNR.com, the largest online rock radio station there is. They play lots of great music and, of course, other shows like ours. Proud to be a part of that. And SoundCloud, like I said, has all the previous episodes. And if you're a fan of American Standards, I mean, who have we had on in that vein? We had on... Uh, he is legend. Schuler from... Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Miss May I. Yeah. Uh, we've had on I Apollo. That's uh, right. You know, uh, you know, you like the heavy shit. Uh, Child Bite, Battle Cross. I mean... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and then you get into the other style of heavy stuff. We've had on guys from Crowbar and Down. Like we said, Jimmy Bauer. We've had on Wino from The Obs <laughs> The Obsessed and yeah. Spirit Caravan. Uh, Reed Mullen from COC. Right. Uh, you know, Nonpoint, uh, Soil. Um, i tell you what. What's that? We got a couple things in the works that we can't say nothing about, but we're fleshing out some stuff. And let me tell you, minds will be blown. Fingers crossed. You said that right after Soil, and Soil just canceled their show in Oklahoma City, so it's not them. No. And that <laughs> sucks, too. I, that was that would have been a good show. Yeah, I was looking forward to that because we had Soil and Flaw with our buddies and Claim Your Enemy opening yes, up. Yes, that's right. But it looks like that's not going to happen. But speaking of Claim Your Enemy and Soil, both of those have been on here. So They sure have. Look, so, yeah, I mean. And one know. thing we haven't mentioned, Gene Simmons from KISS. Yes, we had that guy on here. If You might you might know who he is. Yeah, we've also had on Bruce Kulick. We had on John Connolly from Seven Dust. Chris Broderick, formerly of Megadeth, and he's now in Act of Defiance. We've had on, like you said, Doc Coyle. The list goes on and on, people. SoundCloud.com backslash thunder dash underground. Hours of enjoyment. Yes. We, like I mentioned earlier, we are TulsaMusic.com. Go on there, shoot us a vote, help us get into the finals for the best source for local music and the We Are Tulsa Music Awards. All right. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>